we've been through things like um, Anne spoke a while ago on who are we made in God's image. Um, Alice spoke on who are we with people of prayer. Um, I've spoken on with people of the resurrection or people of faith. Ben spoke last week on um, who are we with people that make Jesus known. So what we're trying to do is get a sense of who we are as a group as well. So following on from from those, although you will see it embedded within each of those, and then part of what we do here is that I'm talking on who are we, we're people of God, we're people who hear his voice. And my aim for today is to demystify the conversation around hearing God and for us to grow in our understanding and our confidence when it comes to learn how to attune our ear to his voice. So um, there's going to be a bit more sort of scriptural teaching that I'm going to go through in a minute. I reckon if we're being honest, all of us, or most of us, want to hear God speak. The desire of every person is to be loved and to be accepted And we want to hear that from God above anything and anyone else. We also want to hear from God about what his purpose is for our life and for him to help point us in the right direction too. However, before I start, I also want to acknowledge that some of us may have been missold the wrong perception of God. So actually hearing his voice, you might be like, I'm all right, actually. I don't want to hear his voice because the God that I was told about is, is a bit scary. So what I want to do is just set the record straight. That, that That's wrong. God is a father and he loves you. And he's good and he's kind. He's not out to shame us. He's not out to make us feel bad about anything. He's not out to stitch you up. He is a good dad. If you would, just take five seconds with me and imagine what a perfect father would look like. God is better than that. I doubt, I doubt anybody here pictured a stern, cold, mean father. God is a good dad and he loves talking to his kids. God doesn't want to reveal your deepest, darkest secrets. You can, you can be safe in the knowledge that he doesn't do that because good dads don't humiliate their children. They want to be with them. They want to talk with them. They want to listen to them. They want to have fun with them. They want to explore life with them. They want their kids to be the best they can be and they want to talk to them about how they can help get them there. We all want help and we all want guidance. Um, There are people who aren't Christians who will seek that in things like horoscopes and tarot cards and things like that. Just for the record, that's all wrong. Don't go near it. But I think what that tells us is that even if you're not a Christian, is that actually there's desire in us for guidance. There's this desire in us for somebody to tell us that it's going to be okay and that there's a plan for us. You might also be somebody who loves information and education. And and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But I think sometimes we can make that our God too. If I get all the information or the education, that will be the information I need to guide me throughout life. But the problem with that is it it doesn't work um, because often we have um, confirmation bias, which is where we tend to interpret new information as confirmation of our existing beliefs and theories or that actually we're swimming within a culture and we can't see outside of that culture anyway. So we tend to get kind of stuck in our own narratives. We all know about um, social media bubbles and stuff like that as well. Like we basically reinforce our own beliefs. We don't know what we don't know. So if we try to navigate life alone and apart from God, we'll end up with blind spots that can end up causing us some sort of collision and damage too. We need... God to see, have the overview of our lives and to be able to direct us. And to be able to do that, we need to hear his voice. 
in the midst of all that stuff that's swimming around that I've just said about, we all face those existential questions. Um, what am I supposed to even do with my life? Who am I supposed to be? Am I, am I supposed to get married? I don't know. Is the person I'm dating the person I'm supposed to be with? Um, where can I simply just be me? Where can I just be me and be accepted? Who am I? I mean, that's at the core of this series that we're, we're trying to um, wrestle our way through at the moment. These questions aren't new. They're, they've been kind of, um, we've been battling them since the dawn of humanity. We've been asking questions on identity and purpose. And despite thousands of years of trying to come up with conclusions, humanity is often still lost and wandering. The only answer that can satisfy our soul is the truth that we were created by God, who is love, for no other reason than to be in a loving relationship. Before anything existed, there was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity. That was it. There was nothing else. To even say there was nothing else would make them feel like there was something else called a nothing, but there wasn't. There was just God. And God was loving, Father, Son, and Spirit, all in perfect unity. God is perfect, and God is complete. He lacks nothing. Because if God lacked something, he wouldn't be perfect. God is all-knowing and God is powerful. God doesn't need anything. He didn't need humanity. He wanted humanity. He wanted to delight in you. He wanted to delight in every single person here. He wanted to create something that he could pour his perfect love onto and for us to be in that loving relationship with him. True Godly love, for which is the purpose that we're made, is the only thing that can satisfy us. We were made for this relationship. And for all good relationships to work, what do we need? Go on. Good communication. Thank you, Sam. That's the right answer. You get a cookie at the end. Um, If we can't communicate with someone, we're not actually in a relationship with them. God speaks to us. God speaks to his children. And he loves it when we talk to him too. So how do we know we can hear God? A fundamental trait of God throughout the Bible that we read is that he primarily revealed himself to people by speaking to them. In the Old Testament, we see this in contrast to mute idols and gods of other nations who could not speak or hear. God often, uh, God would often communicate with his people by a spoken language, commonly through prophets, or in the New Testament through something that we call prophecy, which I'm going to come on to in a minute. The mute idols of our day are things that we worship that give nothing back. In fact, they bleed us dry. They bleed us dry of life and of love. They're idols of the relentless pursuit of more. I spoke about this before, of more money, more power, more status, uh, those things. You can get all that, but they don't satisfy. And we can still end up feeling anxious, alone, and with some element of self-loathing. These idols that we pursue that are not God, they take all we have and they give nothing back in return, or nothing good back in return. But God was the opposite. He was the God who spoke to his people and he speaks to us. He is not mute, but alive and full of love. He's full of what the Bible calls agape love, which is sacrificial love. He loves us unconditionally, even if he gets nothing back out of it in return. Even if we walk away from him, he's still pouring out his love for him. That's the opposite of the idols I've just mentioned. So how does God speak? He speaks in various ways, which I'll come through to in a minute. But essentially, I think that there's two ways that God speaks to us. One is directly to us. 
So it could be that all those um, brave people, by the way, it's really brave to share words. So thank you for everyone who got up and shared. Um, God spoke to them in the worship. They felt like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get up and share this. And the other way that you'll see is, so that's directly, is indirectly. So it might be that God was speaking to you, but he spoke through someone else. Okay? Does that make sense? So it might be that you receive a word directly from God. We call it a word. It's just a message. Um, but it might be that actually God speaks through someone else too. The Bible tells us that God's spoken word is powerful and effective. His spoken word is the agency through which his purposes are accomplished. And interestingly, the Bible is bookended, so at the start and at the end, by God speaking. The greatest revelation of God that we could ever imagine or want was in the person of Jesus. And Jesus was called the Word in John's Gospel. Not the, not the eerie silence, not the inaudible one, but the Word of God. The Father loves us and speaks to us. And our job is one, to know and accept this, which it can be hard to accept that sometimes. But that's our number one job. It's just to know that he loves us and he speaks to us. And the second thing is we have to learn to attune our ear to what he may be saying. Also, I just want to be clear, God doesn't just speak to us for our sake. He speaks to us for um, sometimes for our sake, but also sometimes for other people. All those people who shared earlier on was because they were saying, I think God's spoken to me and I think that this can help you. So it's not just for us. So when we hear God's voice and then we speak it out, that is what we call prophecy. So if you just hear it, you've not prophesied. So we hear God's voice and then we act upon that. And that is where we step out and what we hope is prophecy. So what is prophecy? Biblically, it is when under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, people speak spontaneous, understandable messages, often in the gathered community like we're doing here, for the purposes, this is what the Bible says, for the purposes of edification, which means improvement. Um, for strengthening, for comfort, and for encouragement. You'll notice that when we get up and we say to people, can you give a word, we always say it needs to be encouraging. Um, and that's because that's based on um, the biblical instruction around prophecy. The New Testament mentions two forms of prophecy. One is what, something we call a word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge could be something that's actually happened. So example would be, uh, you've hit your thumb with a hammer this morning. That's already happened. That's a word of knowledge. That was very quick, thank you. So we have the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist didn't have that. So up until that point, John the Baptist was the greatest person. After that point, then even John the Baptist comes, like he wasn't as blessed as we are because we get the Spirit. God poured out his Spirit after Jesus ascended into heaven. After Easter, everything changed. So New Testament prophecy is no longer for the point of pointing out sin by a select few people, but in fact, it's to reveal God's love and his will for us as a community and our lives, plans and purposes to strengthen us. It might be to edify us. Like I said, it might be for a point of correction, but mostly it's for strengthening, comforting, loving, and calling us into our, into our future. I'd say nowadays, prophecy is to build people and to build culture. It's not to tear down. Prophecy is to build people and to build culture. Acts 2.17 says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God has no generational divide. He says he'll pour out his spirit on the old and the young. 
There's no gender divide. It says, I'll pour out my spirit on sons and daughters. There's no economic or class divide because it says, even the servants will hear the voice of God. There's no ethnic divide because it is released on Jew and Gentile. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And the point of this talk is that we all get to play. You cannot discount yourself. This is for every single one of us. God's plan for the world is that he will encounter everybody who believes and that we will all get to hear his voice. And actually, Jerry shared um, a brilliant verse, which should have been in this talk, but it isn't, which is, um, my sheep hear my voice. And that's the point, is that when we belong to God, he wants to talk to us. He'll talk to us before that. But the more we get to know him, the more that we get to recognize his voice. So that's what prophecy is and who it's for. But why prophesy? Kind of covered that already a bit. But one thing I do want to talk about is in 1 Corinthians There's chapters 12 to 14, and it's quite significant for our type of church. Paul is writing about some extraordinary phenomena which is happening during their church services. And he talks about these being special abilities given to the church um, by the Spirit. And he calls these abilities there the ability to speak wise words, the ability to have faith, the ability to heal, um, special knowledge, performing miracles, speaking in tongues and discernment, and the ability to prophesy. So I do also want to say it's really important that we don't divorce those gifts from the community. Like they're not for us to go out and do alone. The whole point in that is that it was in the gathered worship context. Um, and Paul thinks of the spirit at that time as like a dancing hand over the congregation, being able to kind of give out the spirit or gifts to whoever the spirit wanted to at that time as well. Um, Paul goes on to say that all these things are great. You should earnestly desire all the gifts but especially prophecy. He talks about it at the end of, um, or at the start of chapter 14. Now, I also want to caveat this with, I know that people may get a bit nervous um, that these things can be misused or abused. But if we were to rule out various aspects of church life because of their potential for misuse, we should start with banning preaching. Um, If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you would have had to suffer um, me um, and your weak, inaccurate, quasi-heretical, powerless speaking we should ban worship. That's the same, but add it that you have to sit next to some people like me who can't sing either. So we should ban that. We should ban love because we can all be rude, selfish, competitive, undermining and jealous from time to time. But we don't, do we? Because they're all good for us. The same way that just because sometimes prophecy can be abused, we don't ban that either. We just have to, well, read scripture and navigate it together properly. So the idea that we should neglect or minimalize spiritual activity because of what could go wrong it actually leaves us with very little to do in church. As I said, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says to earnestly strive. And what that means is not stuff you do in your prayer life. You say, God, I really would love to see more people healed. I'd love to hear your voice. And these are gifts. He gives them to us. We'll come on to that at the end. But say, Lord, I'd love to see more of this. Go for it. Why should we earnestly seek the gift of prophecy? Well, Paul goes on to say, the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. I spoke a few weeks back on how the Bible also says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. And the word used then is, uh, in that phrase, is the Greek word rhema, which is spoken word. So our faith is built by the spoken word of God. There'll be some people here tonight who those words meant something to, and your faith would have lifted. You're like, God sees me. We're praying before the service. And there's a name of God in the Old Testament called, um, it's called El Roy, the God who sees me. Like he sees you and that builds our faith that, wow, he's real, he's powerful, he's alive, he's working today and that he loves me and he sees me too. 
So it strengthens us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from a freshly spoken word of God. And prophecy strengthens us. And I'd say, especially when we're struggling. So that's why sometimes, and I know what it's like, sometimes when you're struggling and the last thing you want to do is go to church. My stance personally now is that's where I need to go. If I'm struggling, I need to go there because I really need to hear from God. Like I really need that. And I know it can be easy to just go, I'm going to stay at home and get Chinese and Netflix and stuff. But, and, and that's fine. But do it after the service. Come, hear from God and then go home afterwards. Um, why, do, why is it important? Why is prophecy so um, potent? Um, God's words are powerful. Luke 1.37 says this. For no word from God will ever fail. Or another translation says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, the word nothing is made up of two different words. One is no, and the second, the word for thing, is rhema, which I think is quite a poor translation, but as I've just said, rhema is spoken word from God. The word impossible is from the root word of adantus, which means without ability. So what does that mean? It means that no spoken word from God will ever come to you that lacks the ability, the grace, or the power to complete the task. That's why it's powerful to prophecy, because it contains power from God. If God said it and we deliver it, there's power in what is said. We prophesy to strengthen each other with God's words, which have power within themselves to help us when we're doing well, but also when we're struggling. And if you're not struggling, you be the one to strengthen other people. Come hear from God, say, I've got you, I've covered you, and I'm going I'm to hear from God for you too. Um, also, just to be clear, the Bible is really clear that prophecy is not independent from authority. Uh, there's a couple of scriptures. One is 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 to 22. There's another two passages in 1 Corinthians that tell us that prophecy needs to be discerned by the spirit-filled community. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is there's safety in that too. So I've been in church with people who give me words, which they might be well-meaning, but they're a bit weird. And actually, if you're in a community, you don't feel like, oh my gosh, is that from God or not? You can talk about it. We can pray about it. We can discern together. Um, it's really significant that, um, actually, no, no, go back to that. It's really important that we can discern together um, because God wants to build us up. Like I said, he doesn't want you to go away from what anyone said and feel fearful at all. So I'm going I'm to finish on that in a minute. It's really, really, really significant that the passage on hearing God's voice and prophecy um, is, is like bang in the middle of it in Corinthians is a passage all on love. It's so important that love is in the middle of Paul's teachings on the spiritual gifts and prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, but I did not love I would be nothing. Prophecy has to, has to, absolutely has to have love at the centre of it. If a word does not feel loving, do not give it. If you're convinced it's from God and it feels harsh, come and chat to one of the leaders and we'll process it properly. We might be able to kind of rephrase it in a way that doesn't feel so harsh, but it has to be loving. I don't mind stretching words. Stretching words aren't too bad, but nothing that evokes fear. So stretching word would be, I shared before um, that I, I flew to America a few weeks ago and I was relying on God for the whole trip. That's a stretching word. Wasn't fearful. I think if I got too fearful about it, maybe I'd have processed it with my friends and stuff and we would have prayed about it as well. But I wasn't fearful about it. I was excited and a little bit apprehensive, but it, it didn't make me dread. 
you know, there wasn't this like, oh my gosh, my life is going to collapse thing. Prophecy isn't that. Um, also, as a, as a teaching now, we don't necessarily, you don't have to take what, if someone says, I've got a, a message for you from God, you don't have to take that as gospel truth that that's from God. We all have a duty to go, to pray, to say, God, is that actually from you? Is that really from you? If you're not sure, again, speak to other people. Say, look, I've got this word and I'd love to talk about it because I'm not sure. And again, it's doing it as a community. It's not feeling like we're isolated or on our own or we have to figure these things out all on our own. Now, I mentioned earlier, sometimes we get it wrong. I, I get it wrong. We're all doing our best to have a go at this. So I don't want us to not prophesy. I want us to go, well, I'm just going to give it my best shot. And, you know, there's a phrase that, um, there's a guy called Andrew Chapman, he's not here tonight. He's, he brought it into our, into our team, all offered. So he'd say, look, I think this is from God, all offered, which means it might not be, but you go and pray about it. You see if that connects. You'll know often quite quickly if it does or, or not. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't let, he does, he's not stopped by the fact that he's not 100% convinced on it. He just delivers it. Our old vicar used to say, just be like a mailman. Just deliver the post. Let them open it. You don't have to stay to watch them read it or anything like that. Just, just give them the message and then you can walk away. Why do we discern prophecy if it's right? Because for me, we have to discern, is that, is that from God or not? Because if it is from God, if it's from God, you know, creator of the cosmos, cosmos, time, everything, if that God's spoken, I need to do something about it. So I have to discern, is that from God or not? If it's not from God, don't need to worry about it. I can go home, watch Netflix, eat my Chinese, do all that. If it is from God, then I need to do something about it. I'm coming into land a bit. Lastly, we prophesy to encourage each other to be the people that we're meant to be which is to be like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus did and help other people do the same. And what do I mean by encourage? I think Ben said it the other day, it's something, encourage, when I encourage you, I want to put courage into you. Courage goes into you when we encourage each other. We need to also be a community of people who are good at receiving encouragement. Um, that's quite hard to do sometimes. Some that you might not be used to it, but um, it might be an area where God's growing you, saying, hey, look, I want you to learn how to receive something encouraging. Um, we, and that helps us to create a community where we feel brave enough to step out because I'm not going to be rejected by you if I've given a word. You're going to say, oh, thanks. Thanks for that. That's really good. I'm going to go and pray about it. That's all you need to do. But we just want to be a community of people who are open and it's a safe place to try, which we're going to do in a minute, by the way. Um, last few things. Words can be directional. So it could be, you know, Alice, God's called you to whatever, live in a tree. I don't know. Or it can be, I would say, they're more confirmational that she's always had a desire to live in a tree and I've just spoken that out and now she gets to. So do you know what I mean? Like, they're not often like, you've never heard that before and it's like, whoa, I never even thought that. Um, does that make sense? Or is that a really bad analogy? <laughs> um, and prophecy is often an invitation to go deeper with God. Sometimes you, you get a message and you're like, I kind of know what that means, but I'm not sure. And the point with that is, it's not God's being opaque and he's not trying to hide things from you. He's actually inviting you in to know more. He's saying, come on in, come and lean into me. I want to expand on that. I want to tell you more. I've got so much more for you. Um, we, in this church, you might come from different churches. You probably do. We don't, this is right, isn't it, Ben? We don't do babies. We don't prophesy over babies. We don't prophesy over marriages. We don't prophesy over deaths. Like hatch, match, or dispatch. No, I don't want any of that. If you think you've genuinely got a word for God for that, you have to come and talk to us. Because that stuff, 
can really knock people. It can really damage people. And we want to be a very safe place here so we don't do that either. What does God sound like? Um, can be an audible voice. I've, has anyone ever heard the audible voice of God? I bet there's a couple of people. Sam, Katie down there. I can't remember your name, but I said hello earlier. Um, some people have. I, I haven't, but it can be. Um, the best phrase I've heard for it is it's his words through our inner voice. His words through our inner voice. An example of that would be, I once heard God say, I've got your back, bro. I don't think God says, bro. I think that he gave me this message that I've got you. And my brain heard it as, I, got, I don't even say, bro. But um, that's how it stuck in my head. Um, and he did, actually. The situation I was in, I really felt afterwards, he really had my back. But it was his words, his message through my inner voice. Um, for me, I personally, I've mentioned before, but I'll mention it again. Um, I notice patterns. So it might be that Alice and I have talked about living in a tree, and then someone else has talked about it, and someone else has talked about living in a tree. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Then what I do is I go to God and say, you're talking about living in trees. He's probably saying no, because it's a weird subject. I don't know why I keep going on about it. But I like, you notice patterns. And if someone starts to talk about, uh, you know, that maybe they're feeling, a classic one for me is, especially as a community, if people are struggling in a particular area, and we did it with um, the prophecy earlier, you can start to see a theme. And that really helps us to go, is that God or not? Wow, five people got up and spoke on life to death. God is speaking. Do you know what? We're looking for patterns sometimes as well. Um, how do we get the gift of prophecy? It's a gift. So we ask for it. So we're going to do that now. So thank you for being patient. Um, I just wanted to lay out biblically um, the value of prophecy. Some people may be from churches where this isn't a done thing, um, but it is something we firmly believe here at St. Peter's, that God speaks and he wants to speak to you and he wants to speak through you and that we can build each other up in that as well. So um, I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to wait on the Lord for a moment.